Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Uh, hello and welcome to the Morning Show podcast. I'm Kylie Gillies. And I'm Larry Emder. In this episode, we get glamorous with Miss Universe Australia, Maria Thetil, as she prepares to head to Florida for the big international pageant. Plus, meet the man who originally sang Prince's mega hit, Nothing Compares to You. The late star's friend and collaborator shares his memories five years after we lost the music icon. Plus, trailblazing model and daughter of the Hoff, Hayley Hasselhoff, joins us with details of her very revealing cover shoot. But first, it's been a rough year for entertainers. As restrictions lift, the industry is slowly coming back to life. Yeah, and there's great news for human nature fans. They're hitting the road and bringing their harmonies to regional Australia for the first time in more than a decade. They joined us on the catch. Thirty years when we were when we were just kids, guys. Human nature had been a staple of the music scene both here in Australia and over in the US, headlining their own shows on the amazing Vegas Strip. Like many in the music biz, after taking a huge hit last year, the boys thought it would be best to shut up shop for the time being. But America's loss is our gain because now they're embarking on an adventure they haven't done in a very long time. Andrew, Mike, Phil, and Toby join us live here on the couch. Boys, this has been too long since we've seen you in the studio. What's it like? Good to, to see be back you. on Aussie soil. It's awesome. It's good to be out of quarantine. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we actually came back at the end of last year and did a few shows, but this time we're here for months and months doing our biggest regional tour we've ever done. Uh, it's been like 15 years since we've been out touring regionally, wow. so it's exciting to, oh, to regional go. Regional Australia is just going to eat this up. Yeah, there's so many people, have, so many fans have said they're so excited that we're finally coming yeah. to their town. You know, mm. they, you know, often they do the travelling to come and see us somewhere else, but we're going to them this time. Now, as we mentioned in the intro, you've wrapped up the residency at the Venetian over yep. in Vegas. Every time I leave Vegas, it's it's, it's heartbreaking. I cry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did you guys feel? You've been there for a long time. How do you feel wrapping that whole chapter up? Well, it kind of ended, well, COVID kind of ended it for us, really, which was weird in, in a way, because, you know, everything, it kind of just finished overnight, you know, and because mm-hmm. we, we, you know, I think it was like the week before we were talking about, I wonder if this, or wonder how long this might, you know, this break might be, but yeah. it was like, that was it, that <laughs> just ended. Just, and, just, just like that. Just yeah. like that, mm-hmm. overnight, you know, it kind of, just, we were saying before, we, we went from doing like 200 or 250 shows a year to last year we did 11 shows, yep, wow. like in yeah. the entire year. So it was for the entertainment industry, the, that, the hot COVID thing just literally cut it mm. to the ground, you know, there was just nothing to do. So, um, but yeah, it's starting to build up a little bit now in Vegas, but just it's unknown sort yeah, of how, how long it's going to take to... Come back. And because of the fabulous residency that you guys had in Vegas, you all had homes there. That, like, that was it was your really, home. Yeah. But Phil, you've made the decision to actually come back for good. I have, yes. The others are still hedging their beds. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So what's it like to, to have made that decision? Oh, it's great. Yeah. You know, I feel like I've made the right decision. Vegas was a fantastic experience. I really mm. loved it. But, you know, at heart, I always felt like I was going to come home at some point, home to Australia. So mm. it's really lovely to be back. And now to have the other guys here as well, and us about to hit the road in vans... It's very exciting. Yeah. Finally, we're getting back to a bit of normality. Well, that's the first sign we've had. You said vans, plural. Oh, oh no. <laughs> so you're not all together? No, big, here's uh... the thing. One for the crew, one for oh, us. Yeah. Oh, oh, you've changed. Well, then you get that early. <laughs> we can just rock up and just do the show. Oh, take it what you guys have always done so very well, very well is reinvent yourselves. And this tour probably will play into that, won't it? Because it's sort of, it's going back to basics, but it gives you a whole new lease on life, right? It really is. Yeah. I mean, even just putting the show together, and we've been rehearsing it via Zoom from quarantine and, and this past week. But just to sing, because it's stripped right back. There's one, uh, one musician who plays a, a bunch of music uh, instruments, but just our vocals and the songs, it kind of, it's really how we started. But it's a, it's a reinvention without even thinking about it, really. Yeah, and how lucky uh, are we here? Because they're going to see that, like, you guys have been killing Vegas, right? So they're getting a chance to see these world-renowned guys but in their own backyard. Yeah, yeah. yeah which is really, right. Which is really cool for These world-renowned guys who haven't performed together for <laughs> a year. <laughs> oh, Seriously. Brush off the cobwebs. You have a top-class yeah. show in your own backyard. You haven't got to travel to Vegas. Yeah. Vegas is yeah. coming to Bring Vegas to you. And it's yeah. really exciting, you know. Like, being in Vegas, uh, it's the Aussies in the crowd know us, but yeah. uh, we don't actually get a chance to perform some of our original music, mm. uh, like the, those early hits, and so it's... It's really exciting for us, too, to actually go back and be able to relive all of that. You know, right up until the new music that we're about to release, it's, um, you know, people are going to get everything. Motown, wow. Jukebox, everything. When you were uh, rehearsing from quarantine on Zoom, do you think we'll get knocks on the door going, shut up already when the human nature stops? <laughs> I, I actually had to knock on my kids' door a couple of times and tell them to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I did feel for the, because on, on every floor there's a security guard, so yeah, yeah. As, I, as I put my head out to grab my lunch, I thought, you've just heard me singing, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Andrew, Andrew doesn't sing softly either. Yeah, right. He's like, actually, you at the stage voice. where you have to rehearse still? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. very much. Particularly well, for a show like this, which we've never done before. Yeah. We've never mm. stripped it right back to acoustic versions of the songs. So, yeah, and a lot of warming up as well. Like Mike said, 11 shows last year means your voice loses that match fitness. So there's been a lot of having oh. to sort of prepare it and get back in the swing of things. Can we talk yeah. about being on the road with human nature? What are, we, are we talking a convoy of stretch bulletproof hummers, right? <laughs> no. How is it actually going to work? Because you're growing up now and you're superstars now. It's different to when you were starting out. What's it look like? I Will think, I mean, at heart we are humble guys, so uh, maybe you, you Larry, uh, um, would travel in a, in a Hummer, but we're going to get down, <laughs> get right. dirty, and we'll just, we'll four of us in a van. And I think the word, I think stretch Hummer are the words. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but no, I think it's, it's, people might be surprised how um, down to earth we actually are. You know, it's really going to be schnitties, meat pies, and a Tarago. <laughs> that doesn't surprise us. That's what we love about you. That's what we've always loved about you. They'll need another uh, Winnebago for just the clothes, though, right? You guys go through a few <laughs> costume changes? There's a, there's a couple. Yeah. It's, not, it's not too crazy, this show. We're, we literally are trying to keep it all about the music, the stories, and... Uh, yeah, a couple of costume changes. There is a very yeah. pink jacket straight. involved. Yeah. Oh, well, I'd be disappointed if there wasn't. We're going to bolt a high-heeled shoe to the roof of the van. Yeah. Well. Priscilla style. Mike's going to get out there with his robes. Well, if you're talking so many pies and schnitties, those tight-fitting Vegas suits aren't yeah, no, for long. No, not for long. Uh, now, do you remember the most annoying uh, one who, when you were travelling? Like, back in the day, who had the most annoying habit? Well, Tony oh, falls asleep. Oh, yeah. He's a really bad snorer. Apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah, the there's no you, proof. There's no proof of it. 
like very deep too. I do, It'd yeah. be like, yeah. <laughs> it be like it's an earthquake. Pretty thunderous, yeah. That's how he warms up his voice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I say very deep. There's actually a word for it. What is it? Baritone? Bass. Bass, okay. Yeah. I, thought, <laughs> I think apnea is the word you Probably. Um, so great to see you guys, home, and awesome we really look forward too. to seeing uh, the tour. Great Thank you, Tim. Your fans are going to go crazy over this great stuff. Human Nature's Tour is called People Get Ready. Oh, that's that's a great name. That's, Good name that's for a song. bit retro. Yeah. People get. Oh, you could do a little. How, how does it. How does it. A little bit like that. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> the bass part. Yeah. People Get Ready, the AAA Australian Tour. Tickets are on sale now. Now, uh, we'll put all the dates and info over on themorningshow.com.au. But coming soon, right? Yeah, very yes. soon. Yeah. Good stuff, guys. Start Welcome next, home. Start next week. Next week. Next week on mm, the road. In the stretch, I'm a convoy. Good stuff. All right, thanks, guys. Always great to see Pleasure. you. Well, despite being a household name for more than three decades, David Duchovny still has an air of mystery about him. Doesn't he? He really does. does. We've seen him act, sing, and we've read his books, but we still know that for this Hollywood enigma, the truth is out there. And David Jacobny joins us from his home in uh, New York. Hi, David. You've been a busy boy, haven't you? Look, look at everything you've done. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Congratulations on the new novel. Uh, tell us about Truly Like Lightning. Well, um, it's, it's kind of an epic uh, Western, and uh, it's, it's hard to, to encapsulate uh, quickly, but I would say that, uh, you know, as I was pitching it for a TV series, and we're going to be doing it for Showtime, uh, hopefully soon, uh, it, it, we all realized uh, that, you know, the story of a family that removes itself basically from modern civilization to go live in the desert by in Joshua Tree outside of California for the last 20 years, and then gets pulled back into civilization by a ruthless kind of real estate deal. And then the ensuing kind of return to civilization for these children of theirs that have really not seen another human being for the last 20 years uh, kind of re resonated with people uh, during uh, COVID in a way, because uh, we all realized that we were trying to get into a bubble ourselves away from civilization in the midst of this virus. So it was a very kind of interesting revelation for me. Uh, to realize that I had written this book in 2019 and, you know, to be talking about it in 2020, it was kind of not prophetic, because obviously I'm not talking about a virus in the book, but uh, appropriate for, for this day and age. Yeah, it's a little prophetic, uh, that's, that's for sure. And D David, you've got so many fans, of course, um, who really f closely follow your acting career, but you're, you're a prol prolific writer as well. I mean, uh, six years, four novels, um, and th this one has obviously been a great success. You, you studied at Yale in literature. So what, what is it about writing that's the, the appeal for you? You even uh, did a little bit of writing throughout your time at The X-Files. Yeah, um, I, I, I think... After so many years uh, collaborating uh, uh, on, on TV and film, it's a very collaborative uh, medium. Uh, there was something about just me uh, putting my ass in a chair and writing and just being reliant on myself. Obviously, I have an editor and, and people that I, I deal with when I write, but there was something about just being the sole creative force. Now, I love collaborating, don't get me wrong, but there was something about just it all coming down to me uh, in these in these novels in, in fiction writing that appealed to me and also in terms of uh, schedule it did because you know I've been raising kids my youngest uh, is 18 now so he'll be leaving the home but you know when I was home a lot uh, it kind of fit 
the, the lifestyle that I wanted, just sitting in a chair from nine to five. Mm. So you mentioned this new book has already been picked up by Showtime, so it's going to be turned into a mini-series. Will there be a role for you in the mini-series oh. that you've written? <laughs> Hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you can't write yourself in, then there's something wrong, right? <laughs> what, what role do you see yourself in, David? I'm going to be the lead, of course. Of course. Um, I, uh, I won't direct it, and, I, and, I, and I, I'm not adapting it. I mean, I'm, I'm co-adapting it. Okay. Uh, I have these two guys from, uh, who, who wrote and directed The Peanut Butter Falcon, um, a, a wonderful movie from last year, who are going to collaborate with me and and I I like the idea of taking uh, a story from one medium in this case the mm. novel and and adapting it into another medium with with the input of, of other people because uh, for me to try to adapt it solely by myself I think I would go crazy yeah. I, I wouldn't know how to translate myself into something else um, uh, just uh, I'm just personally just a massive fan of California Californication yeah, Carl's and I were talking about it. Uh, one of my friends I've um, I've nicknamed Runkle for the last 10 years courtesy of you because of his familiarity uh, in looks and personality with the great character what about the characters that you play uh, David uh, how do you relate to them I, I know I read about this latest book that you, you speak about the protagonist almost being like um, a double that, that it's almost like a shadow life H how do you relate to the characters that you play and create? Well, firstly, uh, I think uh, I have a theory that everybody has a runkle. In the, <laughs> uh, either, either a male or a female runkle, everybody has a runkle. Yeah. Uh, uh, the great Evan Handler. Uh, so uh, the, the, uh, the guy in my book is a, is a former stuntman, a Hollywood stuntman, and, and the discussion of doubles comes when he's kind of thinking about his life where he's a double for an actor who's a double for a real person who gets his shadow cast mm. on a screen dark room. So he's like four times removed from authenticity is how mm. he feels. And there, there are things in his life that speak to him more deeply about authenticity. And that's why he makes a big change. Mm. Uh, David, you broke the internet last week, posing with uh, your former co-star Gillian Anderson. You know how to get the fans excited. Yeah, I mean, that's not something I ever do. Uh, Jillian is, is uh, pretty active on the... Uh, there, there we are. Yeah, I went to visit her, and uh, I was shooting a film in London, and I went to... We had lunch. Oh, look, she cut me out of that one. I don't like that one so much. <laughs> yeah, that was the tight crop. <laughs> you, you didn't make the cut. <laughs> Shit. How often, do you I, I have, how often do you see Jillian? I got to talk to the editor. Mm. Um, I don't see Jillian that often. She lives in London. I, I happen to be shooting there. So uh, that was really nice to catch up. You um, and actually, I had to have to ask you, David. You, were you diag Did you actually catch COVID in November? I heard. I read that you were actually diagnosed w with it. How, how did you cope through it? Through the whole diagnosis, yeah, how hard did it hit you? More like COVID caught me, right? Um, uh, it wasn't wasn't so bad for me. I have to say. I mean, it was. I, I definitely was was sick uh, for a couple of weeks, but. You know, uh, certainly not hospitalized or any, anything like the horror stories that, that you hear. Um, so, you know, I feel like I got off pretty lucky. Thank you. Gives you a lot of time to sit there and write as well, I, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I didn't quite feel like writing. But, but. Fair enough. Yeah. So, so what are you up to now? You said you were shooting in London. You're back in New York now. What are you Just up to now? Just finished a movie with, uh, with Judd Apatow called uh, The Bubble, which is which is a, a comedy about actually trying to make a, uh, 
a big action movie during uh, COVID protocols in which this, uh, you know, kind of spoiled and pampered ensemble of famous uh, movie actors gets fed up with uh, living in a bubble and tries to escape from their own movie. Mm. Oh, John Apatow is amazing. Yeah, wow. He's such a, a talented uh, guy. Just quickly before we let you go, David, um, you, you, you're talented in so many areas, acting, now you're writing, um, of course, all these proje projects you've mentioned. I was delighted to read that you're actually not excellent as a cook. Uh, by this I'm referring to the brownie saga. Oh. Would you, would you yeah. care to share? <laughs> oh, my. Uh, my keto brownie. Um, yeah, well, I was locked down with my son for for uh, most of uh, last year, which I have to say, you know, in all seriousness, there's there's nothing good about COVID. But the silver lining for for me for the lockdown was that I got to spend so much time with my my boy, and I did I did start to uh, to cook a little bit, which uh, is not my forte. And I, I went at some brownies, and uh, uh, perhaps I left the batter out too long. I don't know what happened, but after I delivered a brownie to my son, uh, he called me in with a strange tone in his voice and showed me a, a giant, uh, uh, we call them water bugs here in New York City. Oh. It's a large cockroach, kind a of large baked in middle of keto brownie. So, you know, we decided it was just uh, a little extra protein. <laughs> that is uh, truly horrific, David. Uh, thank goodness you can okay. write an act. <laughs> I'll come and uh, I'll cook for you anytime. You just yeah. say the word. We'll give that a hard pass, but we'll watch and read everything you produce. David, thank you very much for being with us on The Morning Show. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks, David. David's new novel, Truly Like Lightning, uh, is available now. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. It's the beauty pageant that's helped create superstars. The Miss Universe competition has been a springboard for Australian models like Jacinta Franklin, Rachel Finch, and who could forget Jennifer Hawkins in 2004. While it was unsure if this year's event would even go ahead, the good news is that it is on. And our current entrant is about to fly out to Florida to do the country proud, but not before she gives us a sneak peek of what she will be wearing. Miss Universe Australia, Maria Thetil joins us live. Hello. Hey. Hello. Good to be back. So nice to see you back on the morning show couch. Yeah. Let's get straight into business. Yes, straight into national business. national costume. Ah, oh, yes unveiled just today it has <laughs> rotating wings it has a motor talk us through it uh, it is incredible it's a machine 
both of you, I'm telling you. It's mm. inspired by the native Australian bird, the black swan, and it's a symbol of hope because when black swans were discovered, it challenged the notion that swans were invariably white. Um, it was designed by Perth designer Nicola Jung, and I'm so proud, so proud, because we're championing really beautiful messages on the global stage. When they ask you on your customs form coming into America, oh, yeah. huh? yep. what's in your, or no, f step further, when yeah. they open your bag, when mm. Border Control opens the bag and says, what? What is this? What, what is this? I mean, I'm just going to say to them, guys, this is my mode of transportation. I <laughs> <Yeah>. flew here. <laughs> perfect, I perfect. flew here. It's amazing. How, how will you, here we go, and we can see it in action. Yeah. So look at that. The wings <laughs> rotate, so it's battery operated, which is yes. incredible. It's hypnotizing me. Isn't how, it? How yes. are you going to get this on? Well, yourself. it is. Well, it's actually mm. virtually impossible doing it myself. But I had a couple of people hoist it on, mm. and I'm a tough girl. I lift, so I can handle the nine kilos of it. But it's actually quite comfortable once it's on. Mm. It's harnessed in. I mean, shallow breaths because I can't really access my <laughs> diaphragm. But that's okay. And very helpful. For <laughs> Very helpful if you want to take out Miss Venezuela, who's standing next to you. Yeah, just oh, just get it on the just, I, I need a little bit of room. Please make some room for me. <laughs> will you be able to access your diaphragm when you have to talk? Hopefully you will. I think it'll just be like, like shallow breaths, you know? Like <laughs> just practice that. So you're yeah. leaving next Friday, and you're going on yeah. your own without an entourage. Yeah. Like, is, that, is that a little bit scary? I mean, or? It's... It's more just I wish everybody who's had a bit of a part to play in this journey yeah, could be yeah. there in the crowd. And, you know, I'm doing it for all of them and our country, but I know everyone's going to be having a viewing party back home, so I feel like they're there in spirit. That's providing the costume actually makes it, because how we've got some vision of you uh, yeah. here when it arrived. How are you going to get this baby through customs. It's it's a huge box, Kylie. I'm not going to beat around the bush. It's a huge box that could fit three of me in it. Look, you are here. <laughs> I just, I had to give context. Oh and mind you, God. the box said fragile, do not tip. And I missed the memo. Um, but I had to give context, right? But that's not the only is it's honestly i'm taking a lot my evening gown itself has a giant overskirt to go with it so i'm going well prepared lots of suitcases and taking that bad boy with me you could always put a few of your entourage in that box i mean you know i'm not trying to get rejected from the country yeah, but if i'm feeling <laughs> oh, a little just risque a just a thought i might <laughs> so the swan is the national dress that's, that's, that's the, national the national costume. dress but then there's also yeah. the beautiful evening oh, dress yeah. You can't reveal that. We won't see that until the day. No. But so we, we have some pictures of you in similar sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So the evening gown designer is a Melbourne-based designer, Alin Lacal, <laughs> and he's wearing the beautiful dress I'm wearing today and the ones that you're seeing in this video. And we've actually created a custom haute couture gown for the pageant and yeah. I'm excited because what we're doing he's an Australian designer with Middle Eastern heritage and I'm an Australian woman with South Asian heritage so what we're championing there is inclusivity and that Australians are from all the lands on earth so I'm very proud to be wearing his work and I think it's going to be a showstopper. Oh I'm sure yeah, it will yeah, be. Yeah. You mentioned that word inclusiveness and I know you're very big on that. Are you yeah. feeling the support of, of everyone yeah. sort of day, just days away before you're flying out to Florida? I am. And yeah. I think, you know, it's, and I love that you've asked that because it's important to acknowledge that I have shared on my socials that still, you know, there is, there is still racism and it's not something I'm going to shy away from talking about because it's important to address. But for every one person who has, you know, really antiquated ideas about what Australian is, there are a hundred that yeah. are saying that's not who we are and the hate is un-Australian. So I'm feeling the love and that's powering me to 
really respond appropriately and I think educate people on why those comments are just, there's no time and place for them anymore. Yeah, well said. Yeah. It's powering you and powering the dress as well, right? Oh, so, yes now, it we, is. Now, we know that uh, Miss Universe, you got this yeah. question and answer thing. Oh yes, we, yes. Do you get the question in advance? Do you get time to think about that? I've always no, wondered that. So no, you, So when you hear it is the first time you hear it on stage? Yeah, um. that, that's the first time you get asked a question on stage and you have to be able to formulate an answer and I think my brother, Dominic, actually helped me prepare for the Miss Australia pageant because I think my approach was I need to research all these different issues, but it's not that. It's your opinion on something. It's your genuine views. You need to be able to articulate yourself with conviction. So I'm not preparing as such. I, I want to be able to speak from the heart in the moment. So I'm very excited. Oh, can you please oh, teach me to articulate with conviction? Yes, Larry, when I, when I, when I, when I get that. back, Larry, I'll coach you once I'm Miss University. You know, oh, yes. just, um... oh, your rates will go up then. You're coaching rates yes. will be through the roof. Yeah, you might, you might not be able to afford me, Larry. You might not. <laughs> we have a whole lot of faith in you. You're amazing and we Thank wish you, you so much Thank love. Thank you so Good much. Luck, just remind everyone when we need to yeah. keep an eye out for this. Please keep an eye out, mm. Australia, May 17th. May 17th. 17. We will be yeah. glued to the outcome. Thank Good luck. You. Thank Good you luck. so much. Lovely to see you again. Lovely to see you. Well, it is a word that gets thrown about quite a bit, but Prince truly was a musical genius, selling over 100 million records in his career and claiming 15 number one hits. The performer was the perfect combo of charisma and catchy music. As much as Prince was a standout performer, he also launched a number of emerging artists. One in particular was St Paul Peterson, handpicked by the star while just a teenager. The musician appeared in the hit film Purple Rain, fronted by the band The Family, and was even the original singer of his Prince Penned Power Ballad, a song he still performs to this day. What a song! And St Paul Peterson joins us live from Minneapolis. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning to you. Thank you so much for having me. Good to see you. You've performed to sell out crowds right around the world, but you were just a teenager when you first met Prince. It must have been uh, the whirlwind experience for all time for someone so young. Absolutely. I was 17 years old, just had graduated from high school, and I got a call from my brother-in-law that said, your vacation is done, come down, and you have an audition with more stay in the time. And that was the, what started it all. I ended up getting the gig. We, uh, we ended up doing Purple Rain. That was the first thing I did when I was 17. And then we moved on and did this group called The Family that you see me in my robe doing my little moves there. <laughs> oh, I hurt myself doing them today. <laughs> but, uh, it was, it was, I got to tell you, it was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. Right. And, of course, Prince was at the height of his career during that. He could do no wrong. So I'm very, very very lucky that I got to spend that amount of time with him during that time actually. You appeared in the film Purple Rain along with the band The Time. What was it like being on set? What was it like being on stage? Well it was I'll tell you we were we didn't know Purple Rain was gonna blow up like it blew up. We were there to to outdo Prince to the best of our ability because that's what the time was in his life and in that movie. So, and, and me being as green as I was, they really cracked the whip and we were there to do a job. And we didn't realize what was happening until after the, sh the filming was done and we showed up in Hollywood and all the hoopla. And then, of course, Purple Rain became into this international success. So mm. we were just working. That's what it was. We were up there doing our job.
having fun, mind you, but... Yeah, it looks like lots of fun. Prince originally wrote the song Nothing Compares to You for your other band, The Family. Did, did you know instantly uh, how famous, how popular that song would be? And did you understand its longevity when you, when you first heard it, when you first started kicking it around? Well, the funny thing about that song is that the way he would send things to me is he'd send them to me on cassette to the house I was living in with my mom, which is this house right here. And I would listen right here to everything that he would send me. And I always knew that was an incredible song, a beautiful, beautiful lament of lost love. And it was heartfelt. And then when he added the Claire Fisher strings to it, it really took it to a whole new level. So I always knew it was a special song, but I didn't realize it would have the impact that it's had for the last 35 years. And so many people covered it. Of course, Sinead covered it. But it, it, it's a special song, and it's the fact that he wrote it for me and for the family is it's so incredible. It really is. Mm, and a, we love performing it. Yeah, it's a gift, isn't it? That's what it is. Prince was it recording really all the time. His, his music vault legendary, rumoured, what, 8,000 unheard tracks in there. Where do you stand on the estate putting those recordings out into the public domain, St Paul? You know, it's a very tough thing. You know, being a creative person myself, sometimes I'll put stuff in my own vault that I hope nobody finds because it's not very good. Mm. However, uh, Prince, I don't know, he, he was a special uh, artist. A, a lot of his songs were that were great, he would put in the vault, thinking he might come back around to him some, at some point. But he moved on. He, didn't, he never looked back. So I never knew whether he would go back and find those things. We've got songs in the vault that we've done, and members of the band, Eric Leeds, have played on thousands of songs, along with the rest of the PRN alumni. So I, they're slowly releasing things. Who knows whether he would have liked that or not, but you know, I know the fans are so thankful for that. Yeah, there'll be some brilliant pieces in there, won't there? Now, when you're not making music, we can find you talking about music on your podcast, Music on the Run. Tell us all about that. Music on the Run, I started about a year and a half ago, and I get to talk to artists of all kinds about how they stay healthy on the road, stay healthy physically, mentally, with their families, with their business, and give some insight into what it's like to actually live their life on the road. Of course, we talk about music as well. Yeah, we see the bacon, Kevin Bacon there. You, you've also been getting charitable through the pandemic with a project. Uh, this project's called Funk Friday. Uh, what the, what's the yes. inspiration with that? Well, Funk Friday started with a, uh, one of my interns for Music on the Run. His name is Jake. He said, why don't you do a one-minute piece of music every week? And I'm like, that's the last thing I need is another something on my plate. And I went, okay, Paul, why don't you go ahead and do what he says, see what happens, because we wanted to originally get traction for the Music on the Run podcast. 58 weeks later and 58 <laughs> episodes later, we have had over 80 world-class musicians. You see Kenny Aronoff there, who's played with everybody. I've had Fleetwood Mac on there. I've had uh, Hall & Oates, so many people. But when we celebrated our 50th episode, we did a fundraiser for Crew Nation, benefiting uh, the road crews that have been out of work since the start of the pandemic. And we're, it's, a, it's a really fun thing that we do, just really for the love of music. Oh, that's great stuff. And as if you're not busy enough, sounds like you've got some spare time on your hands as well. Uh, you also have a new record launch this weekend, right? I 
too. Uh, my whole family is musical. We've, uh, we all grew up, as I said, in this house, and we are about to rehearse for Ricky Peterson and the Peterson Brothers. We have a brand new record out called Under the Radar. They actually let me play drums on this one. So we have a concert coming up on Sunday at a place called Crooners, and we're really, really excited about it. There's nothing like playing with my brothers and sisters. Oh, we can feel your passion coming through the TV. Uh, St. Yeah. Paul Peterson, it's been a delight to talk to you live from Minneapolis this morning, but going on there today, a nice chatting to you I, on this big day. I miss you all. I can't wait to come back and play. Yeah, come and see us on the couch when you're back in town. Great to talk to you this morning. Great to talk with you as well. Few surnames are as recognisable around the world as Hasselhoff. David has famously starred in some of the planet's favourite shows like Knight Rider and, of course, Baywatch. But the apple doesn't fall far from the Hoff tree with daughter Haley forging a path as an actor, a singer and now a cover girl. And not just any cover girl, she is a trailblazer because she is the first curvy model to front a European edition of Playboy. And Hayley Hasselhoff joins us now from her home in LA. Uh, the photos are very pretty. Hi Hayley, how much convincing did it take? You know, I was apprehensive at first, but to do it during a global pandemic and know that I'm being able to make this movement for women worldwide, to see that they are loved, they are desired, they are wanted, they are heard, um, was a really big movement for myself. Hey Hayley, you've said that, the, um, that you are tastefully topless. How do these projects work? Do you get the final say on, on what goes to print? Definitely. You know, Playboy was so amazing with us from the beginning. You know, it's my first time ever doing a shoot like this. They knew that I was doing this really for the bigger movement in itself to really represent curvy women. So they had me in part of the process from the beginning. The only thing was, is we were shooting during, you know, unexpected times. So we had to find a place where all of the team could come together. Of course, the photographer was Ellen von Irmwich, so I knew that I was in good hands. I was shooting with somebody who's so well-known for shooting in a, a beautiful female gaze, woman for women. So um, it was a very collaborative experience and one in which they made sure that I was as comfortable and respected as I possibly could be doing something like this. Mm. Wow, you certainly look confident in all of this. You brought your own lingerie to the shoot? I did. You know, with it being COVID, it was really hard for us to figure out the perfect date because everything was changing with lockdown. I was currently in London and then had to travel over to Paris. And when we actually got to the shoot, there wasn't enough, you know, pieces for inclusivity. Mm -hmm. So I ended up bringing my own lingerie and my own silk nightgown, something in which I've always felt confident in and felt good in. So it did feel like the shoot had a bit of me as well. It didn't feel like I was, you know, coming to a place of being uncomfortable. We had a lot of fun. And most importantly, I think not only did we all know how grateful we were to be on set with each other, but we were all so happy to know that we were creating a piece of history for curved women and inclusivity. Yeah. Hey, the pictures appear in Germany's version of Playboy. Uh, Germany loves the Hasselhoffs, right? <laughs> loves. Well, I hope so. No, I think that we have a great relationship with Germany and they've only ever given us so much love and light. And, you know, to be asked to do something with a country that has given my family so much respect. I mean, I'm just I, I feel really, really grateful. And, and Playboy previously, I mean, it did have a bit of a stigma to it. Nowadays, it's actually deemed to be quite tasteful. H how did your family and friends react when you told them you were going to be a cover girl? 
To be honest with you, I've only had such a positive reaction from everyone. You know, when it comes to my family and my friends, they've always been super supportive of me and the choices that I make for my career. But most importantly, you know, I've been in this industry championing body positivity since I was 14. I'm now 28, so I'm a woman now. And I think that um, it's a way for me to celebrate my body in such an artful way. And it's the way that I chose to do it during a global pandemic. And hopefully it'll just will encourage women to see that they're worthy in their bodies here and now and that it's not necessarily saying that this is the way to celebrate it but it's saying that you have a choice to celebrate your body and what feels most authentic to you but that your body is beautiful no matter what shape or size yeah well said and, and that's what you'd have to say to little boys or girls who are having trouble embracing their bodies it'd be along those lines wouldn't it of course mm, mm, good messaging so you, you you act and you can sing you've You've uh, stripped off now for Playboy. What's next for Hayley Hasselhoff? Well, you know, the great thing about this cover is it's also tied in with Mental Health Awareness Month. It is tied with May, and that's been something that's been very passionate, you know, for myself during this pandemic with a series that I launched called Redefine You, A Conversation for Wellbeing, and a mental health incentive check in with you. So you can see a lot more that's going to be happening in conversations to normalize the conversation around mental health during the coming month. Okay, well, really nice chatting to you, Hayley. I can see why you're really happy with the shots. You look amazing. Thank you. Over the weekend, the world watched as the Queen farewelled His Royal Highness, the Duke of Edinburgh. Now, while this may have been one of the most unusual memorial ceremonies in royal history, the uncluttered service allowed for us to take a closer look at how the family interacted. And after the past few months they've had, uh, there was a lot to keep an eye out for. Really. To discuss, we're joined by body language expert Dr Louise Marlow. Welcome to you. Lovely to see you again. Good morning. Now, before we begin, we have to remember this was a COVID safe ceremony. That's mm. important. Masks on, no hugging. Uh, that really, mm. it's, you know, the, the, the most important part of any funeral service, right, was ripped away from them. Uh, does that make it harder to analyse from your perspective? Uh, look, I thought it was easier, actually, because we had the public stripped away, so we had all of that movement and excitement taken away and we could just focus on what was important. And, and their role was just duty, discipline, respect, walk straight ahead, look straight ahead. So any little thing stood out dramatically. OK, let's start with the Queen. You say her physical presence matched exactly how she would have been feeling on the inside. These were heartbreaking shots. Mm. Oh, heartbreaking. I thought the, the word for the Queen was heartbreaking. And I think it's for her that we have the tears during this funeral. She was hunched. She was slightly unstable on her feet. She seemed to be favouring one side. Um, she was covered. She had her head down. So we didn't really see her face at all. But it was just heartbreakingly devastating. Yeah. Sure was. Um, everyone was waiting to see Prince Harry, of course, reunited with his family. Mm. Now, as he left the church, you noticed uh, a little something there. I did. I noticed. You know, as I said, it's, it's respect, it's discipline. Harry tapped the order of service on his thigh. Now, this is anxiousness. It's, um, look at that. It's, it's nerves. It's, but it's disrespect. One job. One job. You know, walk. Look straight ahead. Do nothing unusual. And with no, none of the other distractions, it stood out and unnecessary. Okay. The Duchess of Cambridge uh, spent some time talking uh, to Harry. 
Uh, yeah. This was this came afterwards, outside the outside mm. the church, outside after the service. The Duchess of Cambridge is a hero. She, where did they find her? She just knows how to do things in our modern world. So although she knows about how to wear the right hairstyle, ponytails don't work at a funeral. Um, thank you, Beatrice. Um, she knows how to look casual and still hold that respect. So she never moved her head from Harry. She had his attention. She kept the conversation up just about the funeral. She kept his attention and made it very easy for William just to have a little word in the word about the funeral, nothing else. And Kate kept that attention, kept that energy, kept his focus. And it was genius at work, really, under enormously stressful situation. Yeah. Um, a lip reader has... A tough day at the office for the lip reader with the mask on forever. A lip reader has analysed uh, what they're all talking about. What do we know about those observations? Well, um, uh, uh, you know, he took his, William took his mark, mask off and, of course, they were talking about the funeral and they were saying, oh, it was, you know, it was just like he would have wanted it. So they just kept it at a very high-level funeral discussion. Um, you know, they hardly asked, how's Megan or how's America? You know, that did not come into it. Just the funeral. Keep it chunked up at that level. Mm. Uh, what about Prince Andrew? He's been out of the public eye for a while now. We haven't seen a lot of him. He did say a few words after his father's death. What, what do we think about Prince Andrew? Well, most notable with Andrew was as they were walking along, he was swaying from side to side. His body doesn't go straight ahead. It goes side to side. And I think that his body is showing the signs of a lifetime of indulgence. His stomach swollen underneath his ribs. It lifts his chest up. So he had a lot of the white of his shirt showing. His arms are out to the side and he's swaying from side to side. Nobody else spoke to him. He just stood behind his daughter. I, I thought he was a, a, a sad character. Okay. What about Prince Charles? Now, he stood out during the procession, particularly because of the marching beat. Can you talk us through that? Well, if you're in Safeways, Woolworths, Coles, wherever, and they have the music and they have it there for a purpose, it's to slow you down and make you feel happy. And here, it wasn't even subliminal. They had a bang, bang, bang of the march and Anne was immediately in that step. William was immediately in that step and Charles, he's out of step, he's going slower, he's against the rhythm and and I'm, and I'm he, he just looked awkward with the rhythm and that took a conscious effort. He did get into the rhythm as they went on. About five minutes in he started to get into the walking rhythm but it did show a dissonance. For me it sent a message of I don't walk to the beat I'm told to walk to. I will do my own beat. Okay. So much to read into, Louise. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. fascinating stuff. It was a beautiful yeah. and, and elegant service. I, I it think was. Very it well. was. It was. I thought it was magnificent. Mm. That they, the British do do pomp and ceremony so very well. Yeah. Thank Didn't you. you feel sorry for those guys out in the heat with the big hats on and the big instruments and walking in those very stiff shoes sure. and then I, having to stand there? Yeah, oh, I think mm. they difficult. would have considered it a privilege to actually yeah, take I part, yeah. I think. Um, Louise, mm. thank you. Always fascinating mm. to hear your thoughts. Thanks, Thank Louise. Thanks a lot. It's one of the most impressive examples of augmented reality. Last year, during the peak of coronavirus, London doctors adopted high-tech headsets 
to treat patients remotely. The sophisticated technology helped to reduce the need for bedside visits, enhance communication, while also reducing the need for personal protective equipment for healthcare workers. But these kind of jaw-dropping advancements go far beyond the medical world, with augmented reality set to rev revolutionise how we learn, work and interact. So for more, we welcome futurist and author Michael McQueen. Hi, Michael. Good morning. Okay, we're going to start with the term augmented reality. Yeah. Not everyone's kind of familiar. How's augmented reality different from virtual reality? Yeah, people often use the terms sort of you know, interchangeably, yeah. but they're quite different. So virtual reality is where you replace what you see. So putting on a headset, for instance, to see a completely different reality. Augmented is where something gets overlaid over what you're seeing. So if you remember Pokemon Go, yes. that was when we first started coming to getting a sense of how big this was as a trend. That was augmented reality. So overlaying images or text over what you're seeing. Okay. So you say surgeries are being performed remotely. Yeah. Now, logistically, how does this even work? You're in one part of the world, your doctor's in the other part of the yeah. world. Well, how does it work? How's That's... the scalpel getting to me? Robots. So it's pretty incredible. So robotic surgery, if you look at, say, prostate surgeries, like 82% of them are being done with robots already. But what this is doing is pairing up augmented or virtual reality with robotic surgery. So Imperial College in London, May last year, peak of COVID, they actually had surgeries done where the surgeon was standing at a distance from the patient with a virtual reality set, headset on and the robot was doing the actual surgery. So you think about what this means for like people who are needing surgery in regional or remote areas who could be operated on someone in a capital city. Like it starts to really change how healthcare will operate over the next few years. I hope it doesn't cool. get mixed up with Barney the cocktail robot. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be shaken, not stirred. <laughs> <laughs> you still have to get to it. Uh, obviously, um, you have to get to the theatre and everything. Correct. Yeah, you're not just sitting in your car. No. <laughs> <laughs> Reading a UBD. Yeah, yeah. Elon so, Musk is connecting uh, people's brains yeah. to computer. Uh, it, this is like the monkey. We saw the monkey shots. Take us through this. It's pretty freaky stuff, isn't yeah. it? So, like, it's if he wasn't busy enough making, like, electric cars that drive mm. themselves and rockets and the rest. Um, so, Neuralink is one of his many companies. And Neuralink's, the goal is they're actually producing technology that monitors your neural activity. So, the example of the monkey is that it actually monitored its brain. And instead of using the monkey's hands to move that in the game of Pong, it actually monitored the part of the brain that would move a limb. And that was actually what moved the piece on the screen. And what, so, What's he doing with his mouth? His mouth, that is how he's being rewarded for playing the game. He's getting actually, a, I can think it's a yoga or a smoothie type drink. Yeah. Oh. But what's cool about Neuralink is they want to use this for people who are paralysed to be able to communicate or to connect with computers by just using their brains. And so there's some pretty cool stuff happening in that area. Kylie's been trying to train a monkey for 13 years. <laughs> it's just going quite well. you all right. Yeah, and he still puts <laughs> his hands out for Trains treats. with yoga. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, well. The US Army just last week signed this massive mm. um, $29 billion deal with Microsoft to supply the US Army combat troops with these augmented headsets. So this is, uh, this is getting very real very quickly. Yeah, it's a bit controversial. A whole lot of Microsoft staff actually tried to block this and, and had a bit of a protest saying this would turn the battlefield into almost like a video game. Right. What it's doing is like a really souped up version of a night goggles headset. So if you're going to uncertain environments, it actually overlays information to make it a lot safer. Mm. Um, but it's really, really cool when it comes to training. So a lot of, um, a lot of emergency services personnel are using virtual reality for training now because yes. it gives them a much, much better sense of the environments they'll go into. It's much more effective and more cost effective as well. Mm -hmm. So if ever there was a recruitment problem, doing more of that, yeah, I tell you what, you'd I be inundated, so. wouldn't you? Correct. Facebook uh, working on first pair of smart Ray-Bans. Yeah. They always are quite smart, a Ray-Ban. Well, he dresses <laughs> up an outfit, but these are super smart. <laughs> 
And well, what? What? <laughs> Sorry, can I just? Well, Redbirds are quite smart, right? They dress up well, an Biden outfit. Well, Biden wears them. Yeah, they can't do. Right. They can't do prostate surgery. Yeah, right. they <laughs> but these are super smart, right? They are super mm. smart. So, um, so, so they look really cool. They're <laughs> extremely cool. But do, like, do you remember the Google Glass things? Those awkward-looking glasses, yeah, that and never they took never off. took off. So these will be a cool version of that. So these are smart glasses that will overlay what you're seeing. So let's say walking down the street, you look at a cafe or restaurant, it'll overlay, let's say, reviews or special prices or menu items for what you're viewing. So to give you a sense of how massive Facebook thinks this will be, 20% of their global headcount staff-wise are focused on augmented reality or virtual reality right now. It's huge. Wow. Um, Google Maps will soon have an indoor navigation feature. Is this for the husband who comes home drunk and needs to get around the house without waking up the wife? It could well be for What's that. What's an indoor navigation feature? So the idea is that like, it's augmented reality to direct you around areas you've not been to before. So the example I saw trialled of this was at Houston Airport where it directed you around the terminal by holding your phone up and giving you step-by-step -step directions. Oh, wow, that's okay. good. Or if I'm in a department store, it gets me to the... Specials. To the handbag Indeed, section. it would. Oh, like, like you couldn't get there with your eyes closed anyway. <laughs> uh, always good to see you. Mum's Likewise. birthday today. You're going out for a nice lunch. Indeed we, we, we see in your future that you're paying for that lunch, <laughs> just by the way. Very perceptive. Yeah, good to see you. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you. For more insight into future trends and predictions, you can check out Michael's new book. It's called The New Now, and it is out now. Deborah Hutton is one of the country's most stylish and sophisticated presenters with an eye for design that is the envy of the masses. But if you've ever thought uh, that you wouldn't be able to recreate her signature looks, well, you've got to go and think again. The much-loved TV presenter is sharing her simple style secrets and there's a lot to pick her brain over. I've been in her house, I know this. Uh, Deb's been at the top of her game since kick-starting her career as a 13-year-old. Deb Hutton. Deb Hutton joins up. Well, that's when you started modelling. 16. Oh, okay. Well, I... <laughs> just a slight typo there. Well, no, I wasn't okay. working at 13. It's just what okay, we, always, we always wind our clock back a few years. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of winding the clock back, you ha you're celebrating a significant birthday this year. I am, that's yeah. That's exciting, Yeah, 6 Yeah, yeah. I just think it's actually really funny. It's but, funny because when I was turning 50, I thought, oh, this is, this is big. And then sailed through the 50s. But 60s, I think, just a great celebration. There's no fear around it. I think it's actually quite amusing. Yeah, and you look at you you're kicking goals. Well, like you know, just... I like keeping busy and that's I think that's the that's the thing. Keep active, keep busy, keep challenging yourself. You do a good party. How will you celebrate? Uh, how how you will you celebrate that? that? Uh, look, I don't know how I'm gonna celebrate it. At the moment I'm thinking I don't want to do a big party. I think the days that you just kind of have your, your, your mates mm. and so you just break it down. There'll probably be, you know, twelve hour lunches and you know, a few of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Human oh. nature playing in the background. Yeah, I like yeah, yeah. That <laughs> like the boys be... on board. <laughs> that sounds like it's going to be a festival of Deborah. Yeah, well, yeah, there's, lot, there's a lot happening. There's That's... a lot happening this year, so it's a nice way to, to end the year, but Great. it's good. Let's talk about this fantastic new homewares range because it covers the bedroom. You've got the bathroom, the living room going on, yeah, uh, pretty much right. every area in the house. Yep. Uh, how does... How does one begin creating such a fabulous range? Oh, look, I, I, I think you've got to think about what people are doing today. And there's a lot of change with COVID and everyone's having sea changes, tree changes. I wanted to bring up a really affordable range that kind of really appealed to, to all different people. I know I live by the beach, but it's not a range. It's got coastal, but it's also great for city and, mm. and, um, and, and country. But it's affordable. It really focuses on textures and colours. And I love all my neutrals. So it's, there's beautiful things for the... Look, there's some gorgeous images beautiful. there. For just sort of adding a bit of colour and texture as you're going in. If you want to update your house, it's affordable, it's all available at my house. But look, I've even, I'm hugging that 
you know, I bought out a thing called Pure Balance, which is this copper, this beautiful copper range, which is fantastic for women of a certain age who are challenged with temperature at night. You know, as we get hot, sure. and so it actually helps to suppress and kind of keeps the heat and kind of helps you um, with better sleep. And there's things like silk pillowcases, which are really good wow. for beauty because yes. you don't get your face Chris crushed in cotton. Yeah. So it, the range has actually got a huge amount in it. Yeah. And we, we, we should point out too, because I have stalked you in your own house yes you all all the stuff that is yours there is actually shot in your own house too yeah absolutely yeah, yeah that's that, shot in my house and yeah. look I, I've been collecting things over the years and I think with this range I've just gone in and gone that these are the things I love and I've tried to recreate that the lanterns mm. that you can see there behind me you know that's my lounge there the cushions I've actually got all these things at home and the beautiful coverlets and there's some lovely textures because we're going in you know we're autumn winter so there's some really lovely sort of um, things to just to include beautiful cable throws mm. They look fabulous, and people look at this stuff and look at you and go, oh, they're fancy, they're going to be expensive. But you've, you've worked really hard to keep this affordable. Yeah, yeah well, it has to be affordable. That's, yeah. that, I mean, that's who... That's my market, right? That's what I've always sat back and done. And I like to think, you know, get the look for less. And, and these things need to be affordable. You know, look what we're going through. So people, uh, you know, we're on budgets and Ooh. we need to be careful about how we spend our dollars. So yeah. hopefully, you know, it's, it kind of hits the mark. Yeah, and then you can change it up if you, if you, you want can. to when the season but changes. But you're all wearing the colours. These are my colours, all the beautifuls and greys. I'm and dressed in the Deborah Hutton design. I, you are. <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing Deborah Hutton right now. Um, Deb, we need to talk about, you've been very... Vo uh, uh, outspoken with your skin issues as well. Yes. And you actually have joined forces with the skin hospital. Yes, I Tell have. Tell us about this, because you've had, you had a skin cancer. I've had two major yeah. ones, and look, I've even got a biopsy that I had done the other day, and I went there, and they were fantastic, so I'm getting the stitches out, and it's okay. Mm -hmm. But look, I, the thing that I really... They're extraordinary, because they've basically got... They've got derms there, the dermatologists. They also teach dermatologists. They do operations, mm -hmm. and they do research. Um, but they, the biggest message is to get out there and just wear sunscreen every day. And we're going into winter right now. So mm. everyone thinks, oh, the heat's not there. But the UV rays are still there, even if yeah. you can't feel it on your skin. So the biggest message that I can tell you, if I tell anybody, is please wear sunscreen every day, mm. every day, yeah. regardless of what you're doing. And so it's the biggest message. And look, I'm going to be spending a life having bits cut out and burnt off. Mm. And it runs in my family. And I've, I hear so many messages from people and the feedback I get, and they're sending me photos of things being cut out all the time and it's frightening what's going on mm. so we need to have more awareness about looking after our skin and this message has to be for young people because I still don't go down the beach yeah, and they're all just out there baking yeah. and I was like no 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 you know stick, put a hat on yeah, or at you know, the very least, grab, cover a, up. grab a blanket from the Deborah Hutton range. Even better. Wrap, it, wrap it around your face <laughs> and you can hit the beach and therefore you won't get sunburned. Love you for Good saying that. <laughs> Nice wrap-up. Deb, always lovely to see you. The beautiful Home with Deborah Hutton collection is available nationally at my house in stores or online. Beautiful. As it'll go down in history as the greatest party that never happened. All these models, like, in the Bahamas. The most insane festival world has ever seen. Island getaway turned disaster. It became very barbaric. In 2017, the Fire Festival made global headlines after overpromised and underdelivered, scamming investors and uh, thousands of partygoers out of millions of dollars. The event also shone a spotlight on social media influencers, highlighting how many of them manipulate followers to make a quick buck. Gabrielle Bluestone was one of the original journalists who exposed the festival's failings, winning an Emmy for her work on the subsequent Netflix documentary. Now in a new book called Hype, Bluestone investigates the age of social 
social media scamming and how we've all fallen victim. Fake endorsements, miracle cures. She asks, are we living through a golden age of grifters and... If so, why are we all still following along? Gabrielle Bluestone joins us live from New York. Hi, Gabrielle. You were one of the first to break the Fire Festival story. Now, on a global scale, this was the, the first event to really show the perils of social media influences. Um, do you think it was a wake-up call? I think it was a wake-up call that nobody really answered. Um, you know, social media is such an interesting beast in the way that we relate to it because uh, studies have shown ever since, you know, social media uh, migrated from our computers to our phones and they're constantly in our pockets, um, there's this rise in negative affect. It creates these negative feelings, whether it's loneliness, um, jealousy, FOMO. Um, and so our phones kind of have become this way for us to fill these emotional needs, right? If you're bored waiting online at the post office, what do you do? You pull out your phone and you scroll through it. So we were already primed to be influenced in a negative way. Um, and we're too hopelessly locked in to go back now. And unfortunately, everyone that was involved in the fire Festival is still out there making money and selling us things on the internet. So I don't know that we've really learned a lesson from any of this. Yeah, it's so much a part of our lives, isn't it? Now, in your book, you talk about followers giving worth to social media influencers. Why, why do we trust them so much, do you think? Um, well, the interesting effect of social media is that you follow your friends and celebrities and brands, and they all look the same when you're scrolling by. So it's had this flattening effect where, you know, advertisers and marketers and brands are behaving the same way that our friends do. And so it's very easy to kind of lose sight of the fact that some of these posts that we're seeing are, you know, they're entirely to influence and manipulate us. Um, so it has this effect of social media causing us to see influencers like they're our friends. We're invited into their lives. We know where they live. We know what they do all day. Um, and we're following them because we like their lives. And so they, by advertising us products, are kind of offering us a way to be like them. And it's a very uh, irresistible lure. What we forget is that you know, each follower is another dollar in an influencer's pocket. And we don't think about that aspect of it that often. Mm -hmm. So we often hear of anonymous fraudsters coming for your money through a scam email, right? But what's the difference between mm -hmm. that and the, and the tactics of maybe some dodgy social media influencers? Well, certainly their methods are different. You know, they operate on different platforms. But I do think that their effect on us is the same, um, whether it's a scam email or, you know, a scam social media influencer. They're effective because they are laundering their scam through something that looks like something we trust. So with scam emails, it might look like something that we might be expecting or use language that sounds familiar because their goal is to get us to click. Um, and social media influencers are the same way. They are using messages that we recognize from people that we trust, uh, and they're trying to get us to click on their links too. But I think the difference is that social media influencers also prey on our emotions in ways that scam emails just can't. Um, because these influencers are often advertising a lifestyle that isn't re realistic or based in reality, um, and they're trying to convince us that they're the ones that can provide it to us if we just buy their skincare products or just sign up for their coaching class. So there is an additional manipulative element to it. There's so much going online, uh, it, it constantly streaming through our phones. But what are the biggest scams uh, that we see through social media and, and how do we spot them? Yeah, so I'm in the U.S. and, you know, we've had to spend most of our 
our last year primarily online, lost at home living online, which I think has made us even more susceptible to these kinds of scams. Um, so you've seen in the U.S. especially, I think uh, the government has tabulated at least $150 million in COVID-related scams, um, whether that's, you know, fake products, fake testing, fake stimulus. Um, there's also been a real rise in romance-related scams, so people catfishing on the Internet or pretending to be in the Army. Um, there's also been fake animal shelters arise in that. People want to help out. Um, and fake products is a big one, too. Uh, you know, things that are advertised on Amazon or sites like that, that when they show up, they really look nothing like what you paid for. Um, and so a lot of it comes down to just we have to do our own research and kind of have a cynical attitude that probably the majority of what we're seeing is, is you know, trying to manipulate us or yeah. trying to get something out of us. So being more aware, but what about some sort of governing body to oversee all social media? Is that viable? Um, you know, at the moment, the onus is really on the consumer to protect themselves. Um, there's not a lot of recourse or oversight at the moment. There's not much the government can do, for example, when a social media influencer decides not to label their content as an ad. Um, in the U.S., they can send out basically a sternly worded letter or, you know, try and go after the company that paid the influencer. But for the consumer, it's largely too little too late. Um, you know, I think the most important thing that we can do is remember that if something seems too good to be true, it probably is. And um, especially in the case of social media influencers, they can only scam us if we let them. Um, as, you know, their audience, who they are trying to sell to advertisers, um, we hold all the cards. So we can unfollow them. That's, I think, the biggest power that we have. Okay, Gabrielle, um, it's fascinating stuff, isn't it? As you say, it is everywhere. Great to chat to you today from New York. Thanks, Gabrielle. Thank Gabrielle's book is called Hype. The uh, picture on the front tells the whole story, doesn't it? Uh, and Hype is out now. Well, decoding celestial events is no easy feat, but for New York Times best-selling astrologer and author Chani Nicholas, well, it is her life's work. For more than two decades, the Canadian's cosmic calling has guided millions through understanding horoscopes and their astrological charts. Her work has appeared in countless magazines, websites and streaming services, even working as the resident astrologer for Oprah magazine. In her hit web series Star Power, Chani sits with celebs like Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin reading them their birth chart. Her latest venture is the Chani app, a personalised guide combining wisdom of the stars with mindfulness and med meditation. And Chani joins us now live from LA. Uh, Chani, very good morning to you. Uh, look, astrology and uh, horoscopes uh, certainly aren't new, but uh, you've built up an incredible following, um, you know, in this field. What's the lure for you and the appeal, I guess, and, and how have you been able to communicate it so successfully, I guess, with the masses? Um, I'm not really sure, to be honest. It's just something that I was always drawn to and that I always had some kind of understanding of and talent for, I think. And so it's just a curiosity that I've always had that I've followed. And the business that we've developed really developed organically. It was through a lot of hard work and a lot of effort and a lot of hours and years behind it. But really, it's something that just unfolded on its own. So it's 
it's been a really wild ride and I'm really, I'm really grateful for it. Yeah, I love that you did Grace and Frankie. Now, needless to say, we're living in a very unique period of time, the pandemic, social injustice, political environmental issues, of course. Uh, were the astrological signs all there from, from where you sit? I think that, you know, what's really interesting to look at are the charts of countries. So each country, when it's when it proclaims itself to be a country, has a chart. And the United States has a chart that many astrologers use and work with. And right now, the United States is going through a major transit that only happens once every couple hundred years. So actual humans don't live through it, but countries actually can. And part of the signature of that, that transit is a kind of major upheaval and an overturning of the structures uh, that create that country and also the power dynamics that that country is founded on. And so a lot of, I think, what the United States is going through at the moment has to do with that, if we're going to look at it through an astrological lens. Yeah, it certainly reflects what's playing out politically. What, what about 2021? What are the stars saying uh, for the rest of the year? Well, 2020 was a really awful year, astro astrologically speaking, or we could say it was a really... Everything speaking. Of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a year full of astrological challenges, that's for sure. And you can't divorce that, obviously, from 2021. So we're still dealing with the impacts of that and the outcomes of that. And also, there is something that is more supportive and a little bit more open that's happening come mid-May to the end of July. So it just so happens to be coinciding with some people, some countries uh, finally getting the vaccine. So I know that that's not a reality the world over, but um, there's more vaccines available you know, now than there has been in the past, obviously, year and some. Okay, so the, let's talk about your app. It, it gives followers a detailed birth chart explanation as well as a real-time horoscope updates. I mean, what do you tell people to do with this information that you give them? Um, I think you should use the information however you want it. So we've created an app that can be a place for self-discovery. It can be a place for you to practice mindfulness. There's meditations on the app. There's, it's a place where you can learn about your own astrology chart uh, from uh, in a way that isn't about someone like reading your body language. It's just trying to help you unpack the meaning of your chart because of how your chart is set up. And then there's also things like readings for the week or horoscopes for the week or things that help you to kind of digest the moment of the that you're going through so there's journal prompts there's a whole journal section of the app and so it's really multifaceted so you can use it however you need it in the moment okay let's give it a let's give it a burl i'm a, a tourist baby born may 4 matt's a yes, capricorn. happy birthday no, happy birthday season soon. uh matt capricorn <laughs> december 22 right on the cusp there capricorn actually, and actually, sagittarius okay. I, I think it's cap it's capricorn right December well, Matt, we don't know because yeah. we don't have your time of birth. So what happened was around 3 p.m. on the day you were born, the sun changed signs. So it really depends on what time you were born. It says a lot. I've always like, been a bit of an enigma. It says, yeah, it says a lot. <laughs> uh, any words of advice before we say goodbye to you, Chani? Words of advice for you both? Well, based on that, I guess. Yeah, or now. 
Well, well, the interesting thing for Matt is that you're going through like a once in a couple decade growth moment. And so it feels like this is a moment that is a, a little extra abundant for you. In terms and, of and eating or spiritual growth? Because it was a bad period for a while there. Well, it would, it would depend on what you began about in about 2005. <laughs> okay. um, whatever you began back then mm. has grown into something. And it should you should be experiencing a moment of some kind of like abundance or something coming to fruition in your life. Mm, fascinating. That sounds mildly promising. Mm, sure does. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Chani. Uh, terrific to talk to you. Thank you, Bo. Thank you. I think it might be the hair. I think the hair's growing at a, at a great, at a great you're rate. Buy, you're not buying what she's no, selling? No, no, I am. I'm just saying going through a, a period of abundance. <laughs> I have quite the quiff today. Thank, Thank you. you very much, I think, Harley. The new app is called Chani, and you can, of course, go and download it now. And that's it for another edition of the Morning Show podcast. Thanks for listening. For more info about today's guests, head to themorningshow.com.au and we'll catch you again weekdays after sunrise on 7.